back for another week. Scoop, duck, and high five. My name is Matt Bagley. Joined as always across the magic of the interwebs with my friend Justin Hopkins, the owner and publisher of ScoopDuck.com. Justin, what a stretch. We've got Ducks news with recruiting and the offseason buildup. And we got this seismic news out of the Pac-12. Uh, no more divisions. How do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, kind of interesting, right? I mean, I don't, I, I guess, you know, the funny thing is, it's not really anything that, you know, we had on our radar or that, you know, you would have really thought about at all uh, two, two weeks ago. And then all of a sudden it kind of comes up and, uh, you know, obviously the commissioner, George Klievkov, made the, the, the very quick decision to say, yeah, you know what, Pac-12 is going to get rid of them. So here we go. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting because I, I think, you know, and, and I, I know I've said this a little bit here and there, but I think in years past when the Pac-12 South has been especially weak and somehow USC didn't manage to take advantage, uh, you know, I kind of felt like that might not have been the best thing for Oregon per se, being in the Pac-12 North. Um, but now the Pac-12 North seems to be kind of relatively weak. Uh, you know, you've got Oregon kind of where it's at. Washington's, you know, really just not as strong as, as usual. You don't know what you got from Washington State. Oregon State continues to, to get better, but I don't think they're there yet. Uh, Cal's kind of an enigma, if you will. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it favors the Pac-12 North now because you can – or what was the Pac-12 North anyways because, you know, you'll you'll be able to beat out most of those opponents. So. You know, obviously the schedule set for this upcoming season, so that doesn't really change anything. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Um, I saw a statistic that said something like it would have it would have changed the two teams five out of the last 11, uh, you know, Pac-12 championship games. So, you know, clearly it would have had an impact. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, nothing trumps just going out there and winning your football games, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think you raise a good point about the state of the Pac-12 North because when I thought about this, I thought about those great Oregon teams at the start of the decade that they'd go up against the uh, the Harbaugh, Andrew Luck teams or, or David Shaw's early Andrew Luck Stanford teams, and I think they lost a couple of those games and missed out on a Pac-12 title even though they would still you know, go on to win a New Year's Six Bowl or, or win like a Holiday Bowl, have a good year. And uh, I thought about those teams. I thought about the strength of the conference back then being the Pac-12 North. But I think, like you said, you could make an argument that the strength in the conference is in the Pac-12 South right now. And uh, especially with a Utah team that didn't just beat Oregon once, they beat them twice. And I, and I yeah. say that as somebody that I cover Oregon for a living. I root for Oregon to, to do well and go far. Um, I, I, I think the conferences are even this year, but I think a lot of folks feel like the strength is in the Pac-12 South. So it makes sense to me that you, you ditch the division model. You go with something a little more even and a little more fair. And I think in the long run, if you're George Klyovkov, commissioner of the Pac-12 Conference, I think this is an opportunity to build the Pac-12 title game as the most um, fair and the most um, un- uncertain, unknown conference championship game out there. 
Because I, I think that's ultimately what they want to do, is they want the viewer at home to think, I know Alabama's going to win the SEC, or I know Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten, but I don't know who's going to win the Pac-12, so I'm going to tune into that game. Yeah. No, it's certainly an interesting point. I think it's. I think it, overall it's probably good for the conference. Um, you know, this, of course, raises that question of, of the extra conference game that uh, you know, the Pac-12 continues to play. Um, you know, you, you kind of think that that's something that, that he would also uh, be paying attention to. But, yeah, I, I like this move. Uh, I think it's good for football. I think it's a much better move than the, uh, you know, than NIL is currently as far as college football goes, which is a whole different topic, of course. Um, yeah, it's just been, uh, I don't know, it's been kind of a really weird off season, right? Just mm-hmm. with you know, obviously, you know, the Ducks have a new head coach and, you know, recruiting is different and, and all these other things. And, you know, now you've got NIL and the transfer portals really becoming a huge factor. And just, uh, you know, I, I've said this before and, and I felt this way three or four years ago. You know, I, I tried to educate folks that there really is no off season in football anymore. Right. I mean, you get done uh, in January or whenever you get done playing your football games. You roll into into signing day at the beginning of February, and then yeah, maybe you kind of have a little bit of a lull there for three, maybe maybe four weeks at most in February. But at that time, there's kids that are hitting the transfer portal. You know, if you're going through a coaching change, your coach is hiring assistant coaches. You right. get into March, and next thing you know, spring ball starts up, right? So then you get spring ball going already. Um, the transfer portal continues hot and heavy there recruiting picks up because now recruiting honestly takes place more so in the spring than it does in the fall, which is how the pendulum has kind of swung in the last decade. Uh, You know, it used to be 95% in the fall and 5% in the spring. Well, you know, I would say it's more like 70% in the spring and 30% in the fall now. So kind of interesting. So yeah, it's just, you know, if you're a duck fan or a college football fan, which I think most of our listeners are, you're kind of really you're spoiled anymore because this thing turns into a year round event uh, here. You and I are recording this. And, and as you, you know, you, you and I were kind of talking before we got started and said, Hey, is this kind of a, a busy weekend? And, and really, no, this is kind of like the lone uh, Memorial day weekend is going to be kind of that lone break in between. And then the coaches are going to come back and fire off a really busy June with official visits, they'll have official visits during the week on the weekends, mm-hmm. uh, you know, leading up to that, uh, you know, July 1st cutoff date. So, uh, yeah, uh, you're, if you're if you're a Duck fan, if you're a college football fan, there's there's really just I mean, no off season anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to your point, now is the time to uh, get in the attention of the country. If you're George Klyovkov in the Pac-12, if you want to make a change, now's the time to do it because we're all talking about it. Um, we're going to talk about that at the end of the pod. We'll go back to that conversation. But our guest wants to join the call. So we'll, we'll get him on. Before we do that, I want to tell you who we're getting on. Last pod, I believe two weeks ago, we had Oregon strength and conditioning coach Wilson Love. And he talked about the importance of speed at Oregon, right? It's the one thing you can't coach, but you can train it and develop it. And um, and, and he wants to really value it at Oregon. Well, our, our current guest, he's going to be the guy that gets to work on those front lines and try to make that better. Jaworski Beckham 
Oregon's Director of Speed and Performance, will be joining us next. Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. We're honored to have Jaworski Beckham with us. He's Oregon's new Director of Speed and Performance, a pivotal part of Dan Lanning's inaugural football campaign with the Ducks. Jaworski, we want to learn about your bio as a, as a football player and a football coach. But first, I, I want to skip ahead. I'm going to ask you a question. I ask everybody the first time they, they jump on the pod with us. You're an Oregon Duck. I want to know why. Why Oregon? Why not Oregon? I mean, like, it's Speed City. Um, but, because uh, Lord, it was blessed with the opportunity to, um, well, first I want to say thank you for having me on. But um, but I love that opportunity to come and uh, work for Coach Landon, and you know it's it, it went on for a little while as far as the conversation. Um, and he just approached me one day, like Jaws, like, "Hey, man, uh, I think I'm pretty good ready to go to Oregon. Like, how do you feel about you know coming on and being my speed guy?" I'm like, "Well, love, I'm here now as your speed guy, so it's kind of like you know it's a no-brainer." Uh, but I know from his standpoint, he knew I was trying to get home from uh, I was out at Reno, Nevada. Uh, he knew I was trying to get back home when he got the job at Ole Miss. And it was, you know, I actually knew uh, Coach Fields. Uh, we kind of all passed circles at uh, Alabama. So we came up here and played him. Nevada came up here in 19 and had a little health situation with the wife. And, you know, we was talking about, you trying to get home. She's cleared and, you know, kind of want to get back home to Mississippi. So that's how I got, I learned that Coach Love was going to Ole Miss. I'm a Mississippi State graduate with alum, so – I kind of went to the enemy. Um, so, but it worked out. We got home. So he knew that I was trying to get home. So he didn't know how I was going to feel about going back west. Um, but, you know, with Oregon, like, come on, Coach, speed city of the world. Like, let's do it. You know, of course I'm down. So uh, had the conversation, everything came through. And he's like, okay, it's a done deal. So I'm like, okay, let's do it. So, like I say, why not Oregon? Um, I never – seeked out to be a speed guy only kind of that being my emphasis on this industry you kind of always want to have a niche uh because everybody does strength and with the science going on everybody know a little bit about everything so when i came in the game in 0405 uh, everybody was doing the strength uh, all the new research that's out now and it was back doing the research of it to get to where we at now so i'm like okay everybody's doing strength well I'm going speed. Why not? So, and that's kind of how I kept going with it and um, started having success with it. I coached track a little bit, got an opportunity to go to Bama and kind of started off with Amari Cooper was my first guy kind of doing a little extra work with. And then it just kind of kept building from there. And next thing you know, guys would call Coach Cochran, hey, I need a speed guy. And, he would refer to me, and that's kind of how I ended up in Nevada. Then Wilson became the guy at Ole Miss, so connect there. And like I say, over the years of studying and understanding and getting deep into the speed world uh, while everybody else was doing strength, so it just came easy to me because uh, I started working at Velocity Sports Performance where I picked the speed background up. Uh, and just kind of roll with it from there. And over years of getting experience with all kind of different guinea pigs and different age groups and different levels of athlete and just start building from experience and 
come together with the new stuff and the stuff I know and coming up with new ideals just from what you see and from our experience and just continue building the system and kind of that's how it kind of came to the point where love was like, hey, come on, be my speed guy. You're good at what you do. So um, here I am. Well, you've, you made your way to Eugene via the long route there. So, uh, you know, Coach, we're going to dial it back. That was all great, by the way. But dial it back. Just, you know, talk to us a little bit about your, you know, upbringing. Did you, you grew up in Mississippi. Uh, you always played football. What were some of the things you were passionate about as a kid, as a teenager? Oh, growing up in Mississippi, uh, it's different. The South is always different. You heard about the South. Uh, yeah, I was raised by my grandparents for the most part uh, up to teenager years. And uh, it's still some good things in me, you know. Uh, like all kids, you kind of stray a little bit and go on the path that you go on. But uh, I really grew up a baseball guy. My granddad was a baseball guy, and that was just what I did, pitcher, outfielder. Um, he passed away by the time I made it to high school, and so now they got it. So wasn't quite there. Uh, so never really played football until ninth grade when I transferred to the uh, from the county school to the city school is what we call back home. So uh, – Baseball friends, they played football, so kind of got into football. Uh, had success with it, but like most teens, when you kind of lose your guidance, you go down certain avenues and you don't take certain things seriously. So made it to my last year. Football was easy. I was one of those ones that things just kind of came to you. What I was supposed to do, this is what I was supposed to do. I'm going to do my job because that's kind of how I was raised. Like, regardless if you want to do it or not, this is what you got to do. Get it done, period. It wasn't – you wasn't going to be asked twice. It was once, and that was it. Um, but so football was that way. What I was supposed to do? Let's do it. But ended up having some injuries uh, my last year and not taking school seriously, um, which that experience with not being eligible my last year of high school ball is kind of what made me who I am and want to be a strength coach. Um because the path I went through from making that one decision and actually had the money to do summer school, it was kind of like my junior teacher, English teacher said, you're not going to pass. You don't do a research paper. I didn't believe it. And I didn't pass. So lucky for me, we had the block system where I could take English first term. I kind of like the stock college set up semesters. Um, I could take English, junior English lab uh, in, the, in the fall, singing English in the, Winter, spring, that was my only class in the spring. So I was able to graduate on time and not miss anything, but I lost my last year of eligibility in sports. So from there, uh, ended up going to junior college, East Mississippi, um, got there, tour. I had an ACL my junior year, which put me in a bad situation academically because you got off track, but ended up going to junior college, ACL, and that point, two ACLs, I'm like, oh, I'm probably not going to go to NFL. And my mind went, really, you've been on the NFL. But it was just, I was playing football. It's just what we did. So I didn't take it seriously, which is now I understand how freshmen and sophomores can come in. And we may be like, as a coach, like, why are you not taking it serious? Well, I kind of been there, done that. So I kind of understand it. So I'm a little bit more patient with kids. Um, but end up just going to Mississippi State, finishing it off. And, um didn't know what I was going to do. So Coach Kroon became the head coach at Mississippi State at the time. And we had a new strength coach, Coach Jim Now. And my advisor was like, hey, do you know you're about to graduate? Like I said, I wasn't taking school seriously. I'm like, uh, no, I didn't realize that. Well, you need an intern. You want to take more classes, an uh, intern. 
I hated school, so I definitely wasn't going to take more classes. So I went to intern. And from there, oh, that was back in 02, something like that. So in those days, you could actually be an intern and coach. Now you have the five rule where only five strength coaches can coach the players. So other than that, you got to be a sit-up guy if you're an intern. But then I actually had my own group. I had walk-on linebackers and maybe tight ends at the time. So fell in love with it. I'm like, this is what I want to do. That's how I found out that I wanted to be a strength coach. Uh, so it just kind of went from there. So my background is playing sports. It wasn't really extensive. I did the wrong things, got hurt. And from that, you know, you can be mad where, man, well, you had to got your grades, so you probably could have went and did this. But for me, that was what's supposed to happen for me to get to where I am now because I'm all about the kids that's lost because everybody don't have guidance. You think they do, but they don't. So I've been that kid that made the mistake. So now I'm here to help them find their way when they don't know how to find their way or don't know that they help them understand what they don't know because kids don't know what they don't know. And we as adults don't either. But with the athletes, that's what I'm here for is to help you understand and grow and how to be a better man because you're going to eventually grow up and have to be accountable for our family or whatnot. And so at this age, a lot of kids don't have guidance and they've been able to make their own decisions, whether right or wrong. And sometimes those decisions that they think is right may not be actually the right decisions. But just try to be here to help them get information to how to look at things and how to make better decisions in life. So that's kind of my thing. I never sought out to be the best strength coach, to be the best speed coach, but I have an obligation to the kids to help them not make the mistakes I made. And yes, it took me a long time to get on track, but I'm on track now. But that came from, you know, having faith and, you know, having that hard background, how you was raised and just understanding the process. So my grandfather taught taught me the process a long time ago because growing in Mississippi, you know what I'm saying? He was one of few black men in the county that had a business in those days. And that don't happen. And for him to be able to do that mm-hmm. in Mississippi and have a successful business, you had to have a lot of something to do that back then. So uh, he instilled a lot of good stuff in me. You know, I may be putting it all out a little late, but hey, it's better late than never, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and can I just say, I really relate to your experiences. You, you said straight up, hey, I hated school because I was in the same boat. I, I hated college. And, and the idea of, of, you know, all you got to do is take more classes or, or add on more years. Eventually, I, I, I got sick of that. Um, but I've found in my life, at least for me, I think it's easier to work. It's easier to have that, that, that job that you clock into every day and you work your best and you try your hardest than, uh, than going to school. And I'm curious if, if you feel the same way. Um, work, never, I never was afraid of work. So, of course, that's fine. We can go to work and that's fine. But it's just school just as a youngster, your mind is all over the place on doing everything else. Anyway, man, I couldn't do school. I had good grades, but it's just, you know, I'd rather go do something else like every kid in America in high school, you know. 
Um, so it's just kind of how it was, but like work, of course, I'm not afraid of work, but yeah, I would rather work. But at that time I was understanding that, yeah, you can go work. You're either going to be real good at your job and you're going to top out at a certain salary or hourly pay, wherever it may be. But to get the next step, you either a got to do your own thing and start your own, or you got to have back then for sure. They wanted some education experience or you have to have a lot of experience so you know it became that point where i knew i was going to college of course i didn't hate it to the point where i didn't want to go to school but i just rather not do the work you know because it was easy for me to get a seat it was just easy I, I, all i had to do was just show up and go to class and if i read a little bit then okay yeah i get a b but knowing what i know now i have a little attention thing going on if i knew about you know that i probably could have got medicated got some Adderall and been a freaking straight A student you know probably you know but that's a different conversation so it, it sounds like from hearing your story which has been pretty fascinating so far you're not just a speed guy you're you're really in there you know getting to know these guys and talk to them about grades and you know being a good young man outside of football and 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 manners and all those types of things it sounds like you really pride yourself on on trying to be a, a positive mentor, uh, you know, for a lot of these young athletes. Is that fair, Coach? Yes, that's fair to say. Uh, is there – I know when you uh, find yourself in that role from folks I've talked to previously, you, you usually end up building – I know you end up building a lot of bonds, but usually end up spend, uh, you know, building one or two that are just kind of almost uh, become like family. Do you have a couple guys that, that – that aren't necessarily at Oregon that you've just kind of really built up a very special bond with in your time with them? Oh, yes, yes. That's everywhere because kids want guidance, of course. Uh, and I always keep it, as they say, I keep it 100 with them. I don't sugarcoat it. I don't like, well, it's feeling ready to be heard, so I'm going to say it this way but not really say it. So the last couple of stops I've been at, they call me Big Unk. They call me uncle because I'm always talking to him about the right thing. You know what I mean? Uh, how you need to look at it. I'm always uh, giving them wisdom and the way to look at things. Like, you know, yeah, you can look at it that way, but maybe you might want to look at it this way because you got to understand a person why. Yeah, you can be mad at a person, but why is that person mad? Or why is that person thinking that way? So, yeah, you can think one way about that person until you really sit down and understand what their reasoning is to be that way. Now it make a little sense. Now, now you don't feel that way about that person. So I get to talking like that, and they're like, "Man, coach, you sound like somebody uncle." And so that's how they call me, <laughs> big uncle. So because I'm always talking, not dropping knowledge on them, because I know how. Like I say, we talked about early. Like I know how it is to think one way because you think that's how it is, but in reality, you're wrong on the way you're thinking because of only what you've been exposed to. So that don't mean you're necessarily right until you get more information. Then you're like, you know what? I thought about that wrong. So that's why I try to keep them. I've seen guys make bad decisions because they didn't have anybody with experience. So, yes, you can go in the locker room and talk to your peers. But what have your peers been through? They haven't been through a whole lot. Are they going through the same thing you're going through? And they haven't because at this age, you haven't encountered a lot of problems where you have overcame them. You know what I mean? So at 40, I'm 44. So imagine between 20 and 44, how many bad decisions I'd have made and how many bad decisions you thought you weren't going to get out of and you actually 
put your head down and grind and get out of it and you know that, hey, I'm going to be okay regardless of what happened. It's a solution. So now, what's the solution? Well, doggone, that means I got to get up at 3 o'clock every morning for the next eight months to get out of it. That's the solution. Is that hard to do? Yes. So now it becomes, are you going to do that solution? Because it, it, it's an answer. It's about do you want to do it and are you willing to do it? If not, you're going to dig that hole deeper trying to find a shortcut to get out of it. And that's what I do. So from experience, I can tell you, you can do that. But I can pretty much tell you, if you make this decision in that situation, you're probably going to get one or two outcomes. Just one of that one. So I done been through it. I know that it's better days on the other side of it that you got to grind. So that's kind of what I bring to the table for the kids and, and like just – to come with that big um, title, you know, I, I wear it proudly and I'm okay with that. Uh, kind of shifting gears, coach, your speed coach, speed uh, and, and speed and conditioning, excuse me. And everyone might not know what that entails. Okay. We know what the strength coach does. He goes and works on your flexibility, tries to get you bigger, stronger. We know that your end goal is, is getting everybody faster and in a better conditioning. But what are some of the things that, that you're doing with the student athletes? What are some of the drills you like to do? How exactly does a, you know, a, a speed and conditioning coach be effective at, at what he does? Uh, I like to think I do it a little different. Like, I don't necessarily think about acceleration and max velocity as getting ready to run a 40 and just get you as fast as I can. Of course, yes, that's part of it. But I like to focus more on the game speed. So now, uh, let's see, I've been doing speed. I started out in 04. So 04 to now is almost 20 years, right? So it's like what a lot of people now, I like to look at it as they're now getting into the speed training. And there's a lot of focus on linear speed, straight ahead, straight ahead. But I've been there, done that. And for me, that's easy. I don't have to really think that hard about it. And Coach Love and myself, we have a good system. We get a lot of stuff that I want in the weight room, which keeps me from not having to do certain things outside that I can focus on. So uh, I want to focus more now on change of direction because now I want to look at game speed. I don't care about straight ahead. How many 25-yard plays do you have in a game? Not very many big plays. So everything is five yards, 10 yards. I like to call it a 20-yard box. So I want to think about changing direction. How fast can I get in my break, get out my break, decel, reaccelerate, or go at angles, whatever it may be, different starts that you're going to be in. Because football, I have a lot of different variables. So, yeah, I can run straight ahead all I want to, but because it's football, you know, I can't always rely on that. You know what I mean? So I try to coach it, one, from the standpoint where the kids can understand why we're doing this or why are we doing the long jump or why are we doing triple bounds or whatever. I want them to understand that. Why are we working hip drop? Why are we doing that? So now I put them in a situation on the field, get them to visualize it, get them to understand this is where it is coming into play at. And I coach from what they actually do on the field so they can understand it. Because one thing about it, I'm a guy that didn't like a lot of words. I'm a guy that didn't like the science stuff. So I'm going to speak a language that they understand, that every day I come out, I know I'm going to get effort because 
I can say something something about football. Hey, guys, oh, hey, when you drop your hips right here, now on acceleration, work on getting out your hips, getting that push and switching. Now, when we work and change the direction, I talk that way. Now he can take change the direction, even though we didn't decel. Now I can bring acceleration and drop it right now in the change of direction day, and they understand because even on acceleration day, I'm talking about it from that standpoint. And now we actually in change of direction day. Now we actually going to do the, the very example that I was talking about. Now we're going to do it. So it helps with the carryover and it helps them to be attentive throughout the entire session. Okay. Because I've been at places and go visit people that do speed work and they're only talking about it from the drill and you don't keep their attention. So yes, they do it, but how much better, or how much better intent? could I have gotten out of them if they could have gave them that example? So those are the things over the years that I've noticed about why, how I'm changing my approach to speed. And a lot of people may agree with it. And a lot of people may not agree with it, but who cares? I know my why. You know, when you know why you're doing something, you don't really have to explain it. I only have to explain it to one person. That's Coach Love, and he gets it. You know, it took him a little bit, I think, to get the way I approach it and think about it, you know. And, you know, it took him a little while, and it's kind of like, okay, I dig that. And now he's kind of like, hey, what you got? And, you know, and we just roll with it from there. So, you know, we didn't, I earned his trust on that because I can understand if you're used to it a certain way and you see me coming in, coming from a whole different angle, you know, you kind of be kind of skeptical because this is your program. It's like, we got to make sure this right, y'all. So, hey, look, look. This is how I approach it, and this is why I approach it this way. And, of course, every head guy going to listen to you, but he's going to stand in the corner. He's going to watch now. You're going to be like, okay, all right. And he's a smart guy, so he gets it. And so, like I say, now we kind of – we're on a good page now, so so we, we can roll. He don't really ask me too many questions anymore, but I still go in and give him a breakdown and let him understand my why because I want him to know – so he can come back and challenge me with something new. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, Jaws, I want to mix this and this together and see if we can do this. You know, sometimes he may be like, man, Coach, why are we doing that? But it's like it's a challenge, though, because I can do speed however you want to do speed. You can give me 10 minutes and give me four weeks every day. Hey, you got to get this guy faster. In four weeks, I only get 10 minutes. I can create something and get him better. You know, it's just from experience and knowing how to, knowing the rules. You know, when you know rules, you can break rules. If you don't know the rules, you can't break them. So that's <laughs> kind of where I'm at. Uh, we were When we were talking to Coach Love a couple weeks ago, you know, he said that uh, currently you guys get about eight hours uh, a week with the players. Is that, is, is your is your work fall under that umbrella as well? Yes, sir. Everything is falling yeah. under that umbrella. Uh, under that umbrella. So, uh, I guess uh, what I wanted to know is you show up to Oregon. I, I believe you got here in January. I could be wrong. January, maybe early February. Uh, have you seen a, a pretty big return with, uh, you know, a number of players, the team, certain position groups with what you're doing compared to what maybe they've been doing, uh, you know, previously? Have you seen some pretty big returns with these guys? Uh, I think I think we have. Um, you know, I'm a technique kind of guy. I got a little track background. Not nothing major, but I got a little track background. 
So, you know, from running track, you always have, you have hamstring injuries if they have a lot of backside because you're going to get a lot of volume and that's a lot of leg curls down the track and just landing on the surface the, the wrong way. So, but, you know, I had to clean up a little backside work uh, to make sure when we work max velocity that we don't have any injuries uh, because the, regardless of what you do, you know, if, how fast they are, if they're not available on Saturdays, it don't matter. You know, so <laughs> that was the key thing that um, just over the years of doing research, doing study, listening to different guys talk and what they experienced is hamstring issues. So I always, because I'm a technique guy, I'm going to look at the upright running. I'm going to check out the posture. I'm going to see if they got a lot of backside, forward lane, all that stuff goes together. One calls the other. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to clean that up. That's the first thing, you know. And coming into the off season in January, we first got here. Uh, that's the approach we took. Uh, like, love, we can go into the max V, but because we're going to go into the climb, which is our off season program, which was three weeks later once we got here. So I'm like, we're not going to get a whole lot of top end work as far as speed development going with it. So let's clean up this problem that we see because if not, when we hit the climb, which is another, it's not a lot of speed work there. But Coach Landon, we was able to get him to give us one day of top-end work because we've seen that we need to take it a step further during the climb because we, had, we do a lot of running. Um, as far as like longer running sometimes, like 40, 50, 60 yards. So we wanted to correct that. So he did give us a day to do that. But originally going into it, we only had three weeks. So what we did, we set the foundation for the summer. So everything that I wanted to fix, everything that I know I'm going to do as far as drill-wise, because I'm a little track guy, so I still like my drills. So I set it up to be able to get to the summer where now I'm using more drill than going in having to use wickets and different things like that to do what I got to do. Because like I said, we got the eight hours. And then the summer, you know, they get love. They get their own individual football time kind of sort of. So, you know, you got to be prepared for that because what you know in the summertime, coaches are change whatever they need to do for football. So I have to plan ahead for that, expecting that to happen. And so that's kind of where we're at now. I'm glad I did because we are playing with something new, Coach Love and I. We're coming up with a new deal that we're going to – not a new deal, but a new way that we've been doing things. We're going to try something different, which is not trying. It's going to work because I did prepare and progress them to get ready for that, uh, which is you gave me a heads up because we had a conversation as far as how do we really want to go in the summer for speed? Because like I told them, I don't want to do any more linear speed because our guys is pretty damn going fast. So it's like, okay, how much further do you want to go with that? And, and do we want to get into more of a game speed? Because I like challenges. So I want to see how fast we can get like I told you earlier, in that 10-yard, 20-yard box. So that's where we're at now. So we changing, we're changing what we do to see what we come up with, which I know we're going to come up with. They're going to be better, of course. But just a new way of thinking that we're looking at right now. So we'll see. Well, that's exciting. I'm sure the players are – well, I don't know if you've told the players, but I'm guessing they're probably excited to, to, you know, to learn about it and, and be able to do it. Uh, quick sidebar here though, coach. I mean, you're, you know, you're obviously your track and field guy, speed guy. Have you been over to that new track and field stadium yet to check that thing out? Isn't that amazing? 
Uh, yes, we went. Of course, I go. I just had to go see them because uh, one, well, was what, how that really kind of came about, and I was able to go over there a little bit. Um, well, see, we got a lot of guys that we're signing that's trap guys. And they have a few guys that's here now. They didn't run this year. But so what we're working on is bridging the gap between football and track with the guys that want to run track. So Koshad and I, we share the skill guys. He'd really do the indoor. I do the outdoor. So it's kind of like, all right, they're our guys. So now we can program whatever weight room stuff we need to match when they roll around in the spring with what they're doing on the track. And now I'm over here with football and now I'm going to probably be going back and forth with track with those guys to monitor what kind of running they're doing. So now we can track and we have somebody actively knowing what they're doing, you know, cause like, okay, let's say spring ball is up. Those guys may not go through certain parts of spring practice. They'll do more of the meetings. So now they, they got a track workout that requires this. So now we know that today, guys, you're not going to do a lot of football drills because you got track. Or maybe if it's short sprints and accelerations type stuff at track, we may can flip it today. Hey, Coach Johnson, over here for football, what we want to do if they're wide outs of their DBs, we're going to work their releases and starts from the football standpoint. So we're still working the same principles that they would work at track, but now you're still sneaking it in also getting some football in. So that concept now, knowing able, knowing what we're able to switch and do, but still satisfy football on a particular day, but yet still getting track type stuff in, but at football, just trying to, you know, move things around and keep it balanced. You know what I mean? Uh, because I think there's been times where I know in most places I've been, they try to do track. A lot of time, the football coaches is like, no, they're going through spring practice and whatever they give you, they can give you when you get there. But Coach Johnson and Coach Landon have the relationship where, okay, this is what we're going to do. You know, maybe they won't practice football for spring and they can focus on the track part, but they got to do the meetings. They got to do all that stuff. So, and maybe it's an older guy where it also give time for the younger guy to develop also while track speed is a little different than football speed. So I can still get even more speed, but from a track standpoint. So that's big too. So there's a lot of different ways. Like I say, we can cut it up, chop it up, have an understanding and tweak it to get what it is that we need. Everybody's still getting better and nobody's as upset about where well, he missed this or we can't get that. So having somebody, I think, in between that can bridge the two is big time. So, and then, like, we're recruiting a lot of track guys. So, you know, what's one that way the tier speed? Recruiting. So we're recruiting it. So if the guys want to come in and run 25 miles per hour, I would definitely help them get there. I would not have a problem with it. And that that seems like something that might be a little bit uh, maybe more new. I don't, I, I mean, from your experience, I know you weren't here under the last coaching staff, but uh, you know, just from what I can call, it didn't seem like they had that kind of working relationship. Is that something that, that you've been able to kind of help them bridge together? Uh, I think Coach Love, there's something Coach Love was working on with a little bit at Ole Miss. 
um, because we had the SECs that were not we anymore, but they was having the SECs and they needed a relay team. So I just talked about football's running, but COVID hit, so they kind of took uh, got rid of everything. Of course, when I came in, Coach Love was like, look, you're going to speed school, so you can call, talk to Coach Rat, or you can go see Coach Johnson, and he kind of set it up where I could go meet with those guys. And so it was kind of one of those deals that Coach Love want me to grow in what I do. And so it just kind of went that way. And just so happened we had about three, four, five guys that was track guys, like 10, 5, 10, 1 kind of guys. So you're 10, 1, 10, 2, 10, 3. It's kind of like, why not run track? And so I think they came on visits and then they just started playing with the idea. And love remember our conversation and and just kept going. And then here we are right now in the process of pretty much making it happen once we roll around to the spring. No, it sounds like it's great for the for the student athletes for sure. Uh, coach, we've taken up a ton of your time, so I want I want to send you off on on this before we let you go. And 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 obviously you're new to Eugene, Oregon. Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to guess that maybe this is you know I know you've been to Nevada, but this is maybe. Uh, you know, your first time on the West Coast, per se, at least west of Nevada. What are your thoughts on Eugene so far, and, and, and what do you like about the town? Uh, I like Eugene, like, other than the rain, a lot. You know, <laughs> the humidity is not here. Uh, so it's not as sweaty and hot when I walk outside, but it's okay. I mean, I like it. I mean, it's not that much different. When I look at the green, how green it is, uh, of course, I see mountains in the backdrop, but we don't see that down south. But it's a pretty place. I remember coming up with Nevada, like I said earlier, and, you know, I see it. I'm like, it's a lot like Mississippi a little bit, you know, as far as like just the green, the trees and grass and all that. You know, you're coming from Nevada, you don't really see a lot of green and grass, you know. But um, but it, it's, it's, I love it. You know, it's, it's, it's a long way from home uh, as far as like my family, my, my daughter and son and wife going back home. But other than for me, I love it. You know, they're happy. I'm happy because I'm at work. I'm doing what I love to do. So, and we got great kids here with a great coaching staff. You know, I think the difference is too, like this coaching staff, Coach Landon put together and Coach Love and the strength staff. It's like, it's like a family. Like everybody hang out with everybody. Everybody, kids hang out with everybody. So, you know, that's the plus. It's like home. So it's not like, well, we're in the strength and conditioning and we have football over there. And we see them, but we don't see them. But it's like a family. Everybody talking, joke with everybody. So that's the plus. And, you know, and the kids is the same way. Um, they see us interacting a certain way. And it's just, I love it here. Like, I could be here for a while, to be honest. Uh, you know, so I enjoy every moment of it. Well, Especially hopefully, you know. Right now too. Well, I was going to say, as long as you're here, it would uh, more than likely mean that the football players are getting faster. So I'm sure that Coach Landing and Coach Love would really appreciate that for sure. So, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, uh, I appreciate being here. I appreciate everything. The fans is awesome. Um, you know, I have a few fan base and, you know, they're, they're, they're awesome, man. So, like, that, that's new to me as far as, like, you know, just the interaction with the fans and just how much they really love the Ducks. Hi. That's uh, – you know, you see fans, but like these are real fans here. Like so, like like I say, it's, it's been a blessing just to be here. So, you know, my job is to get them fast, and you know, and do everything I can to make that happen. 
Well, you're you're definitely one of the more energetic follows on Twitter. I, I mean, I know I I wake up and I'm usually up at seven seven thirty, and you've got you've got something posted already that's probably an hour old. So I know <laughs> you're right. you're uh, yeah. you're up you're up and at them, but uh, but Coach oh, Jaws, funny. I know. Go ahead. And, and that's fine. Posting the picture that's really not my thing. That's like like social media is not what I do. I do a little bit at. UNR because I post one video of the kids and a parent responded like, oh, that's awesome. I've never seen my kid in his environment. Like, please keep that up because I get a chance to see him. And like, I just kind of kept going with that. But I got the old Miss, of course. Like I said, that's not my thing. So I stopped. And then here, I just post the morning picture. And like I said, the fans are awesome. And then it was like, oh, we love your pictures and whatever. So I'm like, well, I guess I post one every morning. Like, why not? And just kind of kept going with it, and <laughs> they kept motivating me. And I'm like, well, I, I missed a couple of days, and somebody was like, well, I really miss waking up and seeing your pictures. So I was like, well, I guess I got to keep going. So, yeah, so social media really wasn't my thing, but oh, well, anything for the fans, right? Well, yeah, and it sounds like you're having fun with it, too, and that always helps as well. Yeah. Uh, Coach Jaws, we appreciate your time and, and we'll let you get back to work and making the players faster, but we'd love to hear from you again uh, uh, down the line if possible. All right, as always, man, just let me know. I don't have a problem with it. And, you know, I talk a lot. I may get off topic, but <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> hey, that, that makes for a great podcast, so you're welcome anytime to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, awesome. well, okay, man. Thanks for having me on, man. And, you know, can't wait to talk to you guys again. Sounds good. Thank you, Coach. All right. You have to go. That was amazing. Like, like we've had so many members of the Oregon staff on this offseason. Jarworski Beckham might be my new favorite. Just the energy and what I really loved about him, he is unique. He's different. He doesn't sound like any other coach on the Oregon staff. And when he's interviewing with us, I, I see him in the background in the video that we have. Uh, we, we never share that with the public, of course. But I see him pacing around his office. His mind is racing. He's thinking about about how can we make Oregon better. Um, I, I am fascinated by that man and by uh, his role with the Ducks. Yeah, it was really uh, – well, I mean, yeah, for starters, I agree with you. Uh, the the Just talking about the person in general, like, just seems like a very, you know, a great guy that you want to have around your players to kind of, you know, lend some of that wisdom, you know, let them kind of learn from his mistakes that he's made in the past, which it sounds like he's pretty open and honest about those. Um, and I think that's refreshing. Those are the guys that really kind of become the glue of your program, if you will. Um, you know, so I, I think it's refreshing there. I think, uh, I really loved hearing about, you know, some of the things he talked about, about the linear speed and the, you know, and the, and the 20 yard box that he talked about and, and getting faster, you know, kind of in, you know, in that different way than just, you know, what's my 40 time, how fast can I get, you know, down the field in a straight line? Because, you know, like he said, very rarely are you running straight down the field, uh, in a football game. You know, you, it just, you know, it happens here and there and it's great to be fast, but really, you know, your ability to stop, start, your ability to move laterally and get in and out of your breaks, as he said, um, you know, really that's where the game of football is played. It was kind of fascinating to hear him talk about how they were cleaning up some of the techniques when he got here and, and the differences it made. And 
Um, I, I don't know. It was just all really fascinating because it's kind of a, a different layer than, than, you know, we normally get on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, definitely different. Um, we're hitting that time limit that I usually try to keep internally here for us, but I, I just, again, I am blown away by that conversation. You have somebody that is a totally unique part of this staff who is trying to bring back, I, I think, the Oregon way. Bring back, like you said, it's it's not straight line speed, it's game speed, and um, and I think that's great. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it lends, you know, a lot more, uh, you know, kind of credence to, you know, our conversation with Kenny Dillingham and the conversations he's had with media about getting faster and being more explosive. And, and so now you hear the guy that's basically in charge of that, like, you know, hey, let's let's build faster athletes. Let's get, you know, let's make them faster. Um, and I, I, I do, you know, I do say, and, and again, this isn't where we run down Mario Cristobal, but I can see where fans are excited about, uh, you know, getting back to that faster paced, uh, you know, offense, the more explosive plays, all those things. And it, and it certainly seems like, you know, we'll be seeing that at Oregon. But uh, I, I really I really enjoyed the fact that, you know, his input is so highly regarded with coach love and and the coaching staff and and they're working so closely with the track and field staff because i do believe if i'm being critical and fair i think that's one element that was lost previously and uh it doesn't mean it's the right way or the wrong way uh you know i i'm sure that coach feld is very confident in what he's doing and what he's able to do and he's widely respected for a reason but i do think that uh you know, I, I think when you get more heads together, you know, and put all those ideas together, you know, those student athletes are probably better served. And I feel like that, you know, Coach Beckham's not one of these guys like, hey, this is my way. We can't do it. It's like, hey, you know, what are you guys doing over there at track? Oh, cool. How can I implement that with what we need to do with them as football players over here? And that overall, again, just makes them better athletes. And and, and I think the student athletes win in the end. Yeah. Um. Okay, well, I, I think that that gives us a good wrapping place for this week's pod. Again, if you missed that or you only caught part of that, go back. Jarworski Beckham, wow, what a conversation! And uh, can I can I just say, as a friend, I, I commend you for getting him on this podcast. Was that your idea? Was that was that somebody else? Uh, no, I actually a few weeks ago had sought out to get Coach Love and Coach Beckham. I'd, I'd, I'd asked if the two were available. Um, and I did, I, you know, I, I wanted either or both, whatever we were going to be able to get. And we were, you know, fortunate to get both. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm truly, again, I know, you know, fans just like to hear the inner workings of the program, right? We get Marshall Malcow on and Malco, and he gets to talk about the recruiting department, and his experiences, and we get Wilson Love on to hear about, you know, his philosophy, you know, strength and conditioning wise. And now you get, you know, Coach Beckham on and offers it. It's just nice to hear all these different unique areas. And uh, yeah, we were really lucky. Uh, Would have had Coach Beckham on last week, but I was at the coast with my daughter's field trip and not in a spot where we could record. So it got pushed to this week, but uh, I don't know. It was like you said, it was awesome. I, I think uh, it was way different than I expected it to be. And in no way was that a bad thing. I thought it was really good. 
All right. Well, let's wrap the pod. I want to thank everybody for listening. And, uh, you know, if you like the pod, share it with a friend. All that jazz. We say it every week. My name is Matt Bagley. I'm joined with Justin Hopkins. We're Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day. Oh, by the way, Oregon baseball with a must win tomorrow. They are facing elimination in the Pac-12 tournament after losing to Arizona just a little bit earlier. Have a great day. Go Ducks.